Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation. Hello once again, and welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Cajuns drop a very heartbreaking loss at homecoming last week to the Georgia State Panthers by the score of 20 to 17. The Cajuns will try to redeem them, redeem themselves this weekend as they head over to Mobile to take on the South Alabama Jaguars, the first of the last five games, all of which Sunbelt Western Division Conference opponents. And we'll also talk a little bit about a little bit of basketball. We had some Swamp Slam last night on campus. We'll talk some Cajuns volleyball, Cajun soccer, what's going on around the Sunbelt Conference, as well as a little bit of Cajuns golf. So a lot to discuss tonight. Again, I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Nick, good evening, sir. How are you? I was going to make the joke about the golf team getting laid in Hawaii, but... uh I, I think I just made that joke, actually. That was the joke. Uh, I'm nice. doing well, man. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Oh, that gosh. joke for the win. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, before we get started, we have to thank our sponsors. They're the ones that pay the bills. Well, let's get it started. All right. Starting with sponsor number one, Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, Office Locations in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and home office in Baton Rouge. Go by and see the chief happiness officer, Penny. You'll be glad you did. Get the G guarantee. Gordon will win your case or you do not owe a dime. That's right. No cost, no expenses, no fees, nothing. They've done thousands in NIL deals. They've assisted athletes with everything from promoting their personal brands to networking within the business world. Call toll-free at 888-532-1573. That's 888-532-1573. Or go to www.getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. <laughs> anyway, Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors licensed and insured. Locally owned and family operated. Go see Mr. Darren Domang, proud UL alum and RCAF supporter. Also a good friend of ours and a huge fan of the pod. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Domang himself serves as a board director. Just a reminder, if you haven't inspected your roof for, for damage with the wild weather we have had the last couple of years, make sure to check for sagging signs of water damage, Dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granules inside the gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture. 
You have three different options for financing available, and they also offer exceptional interior, exterior painting and sheetrock services. There's been over 10,000 satisfied customers, so I guess they can't be wrong. Give Darren and the crew a call today at 337-237-ROOF. That's 337-237-7663. Again, 337-237-7663 or visit www.lafayette slash roofing. I'm sorry, lafayette-roofing.com. That's www.lafayette-roofing.com. And last but not least, Patriot Steel Group. The guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount they can to support our student athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Led by friend of the pod, Mr. Chris Russo, this is his new venture, and it was founded in 2021. The founders of Patriot have over 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry, and Patriot Steel Group offers domestic ERW, or what is called electric resistance welded, and seamless tubulars. We can provide you with quality steel anywhere in the United States from premium alloys to carbon grade. Contact Brandon Galect or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296. That's 337-443-9296. Or visit the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. So once again, that's Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, and Patriot Steel Group. Thank you guys so much for your support of the Regent Review podcast. Okay, let's get it started, Nick. You know, unfortunately, we got to talk about what happened Saturday night. Uh, we're going to do a quick review. We'll close the curtain on that before heading over to South Alabama. Uh, before we get started, I do want to want to apologize for us not being able to do a post game the other night. We did the uh, Twitter space due to some technical difficulties, which is fine. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for joining in, including you, Nick, as well as Josh, uh, on your comments and and what you saw in this game on Saturday night. We were able to get uh, quite a few listeners in through the Twitter space. Uh, hopefully next time around, we won't have to worry about that. And uh, we're going to get that fixed in the background. But uh, anyways, oh man, what a heartbreaking loss. Uh, it was almost a tale of two halves. In my opinion, I thought in the first half, I thought Cajuns got dominated both offensively and defensively. I thought the defense played okay. I just felt that they were kind of worn out because the offense couldn't sustain a drive. I think they got tired a little bit too much, and Georgia State was able to capitalize. Um, you know, when you're down 20 to nothing, it becomes it becomes a game of catch-up, and that's what happened in the first half. Luckily, the Cajuns forced a key turnover before halftime, and they were able to get on the board before halftime to get some momentum back, and and they scored 10 points in the third quarter, 20 to 17. And in the fourth quarter, it was a war. And uh, unfortunately, on that last drive, um, you know, the Cajun offense moving down the field and uh, at the seven yard line, uh, Zion Chris, his pass was intercepted on third and goal or third and five to where Georgia State was able to kneel down twice and uh, basically run the clock out to a 20 to 17 victory over Louisiana in front of a crowd of 20,044 fans. I don't know about you, Nick, but it was probably one of the most, like it was one of the most gut-wrenching losses just by the circumstances because you, you play, you play horribly in the first half. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It was a horrible performance in the first half. I thought we were out coached. I thought we were out maneuvered. I thought we were out schemed. And then you make a few adjustments in the second half and you outplay them. Just not enough to get over that hump on that last play. And, you know, I just I said it the other night and I'll say it again. If anybody wants to put that on Zeon Chris, 
you, you're to me, you're placing blame at the wrong person. Uh, to me, I felt like Zeon Chris, without his ability, we're not in that game. We don't have that opportunity to be able to close it out at the end. So, um, you know, I know Zeon as a freshman, he's still learning the ropes, but he's, I also think he's, he's gonna, this is, this is a moment for him where I think he can see how he handles adversity going into this weekend. And I know with the, as a young, as a young leader that he is on the field, that he'll do just fine. But, you know, it just, it's just another game. You got to play two halves of football. You got to play two halves of football. Yeah, and what was disappointing, Jerry, is that we Josh mentioned it on the podcast before. He's like, "Are you are you happy coming off of a bye week and playing Georgia State? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing?" And I think generally we thought it was a good thing, but you looked so unprepared in that first half. You started thinking, "What the hell were we doing for two weeks?" Like we were flat. We didn't come out with a whole lot of emotion. Our play calling was atrocious. Our execution was atrocious. Um, Defense somewhat kept us in the game in the first half. They made it a game, uh, definitely in the second half. So it was it was just overall a disappointing start to the game. And you're mentioning the the last play. I don't. I, I've not seen one person on social media as a Cajuns fan say that's on Zion. Not one person. In fact, I've seen the uh, quite the opposite. I saw a lot of people giving him giving him props, telling him you know hang in there. That's not something that you see with every program, especially the one 60 miles down the road. They're, they're you know, threatening, sending death threats to quarterbacks in, in, in FBS football uh, when, they're, when they're not playing up to what they think is their ability and making, making uh, bad plays. So I, I think Zeon was put in a bad position to make a bad play at that point of the game. Um. It, do I think it was the right play call? I'll stand by that. No, I think now was that the play called? I don't know. There's a whole lot that goes on behind the scenes that, that I'm not privy to, but again, like I mentioned, you have a chance to kick the field goal to tie it. You're at your, your five yard line. You can still get a first down. You've got 31 seconds and two timeouts. I'm running the damn ball. I'm not giving him the opportunity to fail. Now, if he fumbles, that's another thing. And maybe that's another conversation. But somebody made, a couple of people made the point, you know, if that would have been successful, nobody would have questioned the play call. No, I would have absolutely questioned the play call because I don't think you 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 throw the ball in any... Now, again, if you have the tight end in the flat and, and you're running to the left, and that's a play that we run all the time, safe play, high percentage play, that I would... You know, if something happens there, I'm not going to question it. Other than that, if he's not running the ball, I'm going to question it, whether or not it's successful. So I, I wasn't a fan of the play. I know Des sounded frustrated at the end of the game and already said, you know, if, you, if you've got a problem with that play, that's on you. But I'm a fan and I have a problem with the play call. So it's not on Zion. I don't, I don't, again, I, I, you look on social media and the way that our fans support our players and our quarterback, nobody's going after Zion. Everybody wants him to succeed. Everybody wants him here. And I think as you, you hear silly rumors about, you know, are we going to keep him next year or this or that? I mean, look around the country and how other fans of bigger programs treat their coaches and their players and, and the awful things that they say to them on social media. And yeah, they're getting paid, but they're also getting somewhat abused. You don't see that here. We, we appreciate the guy being here. And I think that's a lot to say for the fan base that we have. Now, again, our fan base needs to show up to the games. I'm watching Georgia Southern whip Georgia State's ass right now on national television, and they have a full house. 27 to seven at the half. They're beating Georgia state the team that 
we should have beaten last week. But it's a full house on a, on a Thursday night. There's no excuse, Lafayette. Show up to the damn games. <laughs> I knew you were going to add a little a little punch there, but no, it's, it, it's a good point. And and look, I, let's be real with ourselves. Again, we didn't play well in the first half. I mean, we had 84 yards of total offense in the first half. I don't think our offense got past the 50 yard line one time in the first half outside of that one drive that started at Georgia State's 30, 30 or 35 yard line after we had forced the fumble. Um, I mean, look, Zion was six for 17 for 34 yards in the first half. Um, I mean, just to look at some of these stats real quick, Cajuns had 289 yards of total offense. Georgia State was giving up going into the game. They were giving up 301 yards or 301 passing yards uh, per game. We had 124 the entire game. Uh, we had 165 yards rushing on the ground. Out of those 165, Zion had 119 of those. So between and Jacob Cabote had 27 rushing yards on 13 carries and between Draylen Washington and Zylan Perry, a combined, a combined yardage of, or a combined, yeah, combined yardage, 19 yards. You can't, you're not going to beat many teams with those type of stats. Uh, I don't care if you're Georgia state. I don't care if you're Minnesota. I don't care if you're Buffalo, you have to be able to move the ball better against a team that showed that they can give up certain amounts of yardage, especially in the air. If you have a team that's giving up an average of 301 yards and you're against teams like Charlotte, UConn, and Rhode Island, and all you get is 124, to me, I feel like that was – a lot of that had to do with the fact that I thought we were just out-schemed. I mean, Georgia State came in with a game plan, and they executed it very, very well. That's something that I think and I hope that this week our coaches – and I said it the other night – that our coaches went back to the drawing board, and I hope they felt sick looking at the film because you know that we're better. I know that we're better than that, and so – I just hope that they learn from it, if anything. Like Roby should say, Ellis for learn. If there's any week to learn, it was this past week on what we, on how we played on the field, especially on the offensive side. Well, tape is out, man. You know, we're seven games into the season. Tape is out. And good coaching staffs will exploit what they see on tape. And that's exactly what happened during this game. And let me tell you, we were dominated on both side, both lines in the first half of that game. And those, those defensive players... For Georgia Southern, we're absolutely decimating our guys, just absolutely crushing them. And we saw some of that from our defense in the second half. Something got them fired up because you saw guys hitting in the second half that were not in the first half of that game. So there were some adjustments, I think, in the second half by Lamar and the defense. But I got to say, maybe it was an attitude adjustment. Maybe it wasn't an adjustment on paper. We just came out with a little bit of attitude and we started hitting guys. And you saw the result. Uh, so, yeah, look, we were talking about we get better as the season progresses. That was a step. That was a, a step back. That was that was definitely a step back this week. And we've got a very formidable opponent coming up. Now, South Al has has done some things this season that made you kind of scratch your head. But if you look at the last two games, how many points have they scored? Like, incredible. They've outscored. They've outscored the last in the last two games. They've outscored their opponent by a total of one ten to ten. Yeah, so we're gonna have to put up some points. We are going to have to put up some points because if if they're gonna continue scoring as they do, we're not gonna be able to go out for a whole half of football and kind of lollygag and. 
hope that we can come back in the second half. It may be too late by the time the second half rolls around. So that step back has to be a step forward because now you're starting to get into counting the number of games you need to win to get into a bowl game. Now we still have to play the three, the, the, the three teams in our division that are the worst teams in our division right now, but I'm not overlooking Arkansas state or ULM, maybe Mississippi Southern to some extent. Uh, they call us the dreaded U double L word. So I'll call them Mississippi Southern because they always seem to have it out for us. But I'm not looking overlooking Arkansas State and ULM because if you come out flat, they're going to take advantage of it. They're hungry. They want to beat us. So there's no doubt. Yeah. So we we gotta we gotta put our big boy pants on quick, and we gotta make a statement against South Alabama to carry that through the rest of the season. I think, other than the dynamic of how we lost the other night, where we were down by 20 and had the chance in the last few plays of the game. I think what hurts even more was if you win this game, you're five and two and you're two and one in conference. And talking about the upcoming schedule, you still have to, you know, we're going to South Alabama this week. We know they play well at home. You still have to go to Troy. I feel like I know all of these remaining games are Western division opponents, but at the same time, losing this game this last weekend to me and hurting our conference record in that way. That's what was frustrating because you win this game and you're you're two and one and you can, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but you can drop a game moving forward. Now we have to win out. And if what we saw the other night doesn't change and we don't improve and we get off to another slow start in the first half, it might not be pretty because you're right. We are, and we'll talk about this a little later, but we are playing a team that is very hot right now at their house. That's what was so frustrating about getting this losses this past weekend. I, I felt like I felt like we needed this to, as as a boost to our conference record if we really wanted to be in the race. Because I, I again, we probably could have maybe dropped one in the future. Now you have to win. Now you do have to win out, and you're doing. You have to win out after playing one half of football for the second straight week in a row. Cause remember Texas state, we, we didn't play in the first, we didn't play well in the first half and we had to come back and we got lucky to, you know, we lucked out and got some breaks and, you know, stepped up in the second half to win that game. You can't keep doing that. I, we, we haven't played a, to me, we haven't played a full week or a full half of a full game of football. We haven't played two halves of football all season. No, we're, we're constantly coming from behind which is great when it works <laughs> and it almost worked again, but you can't, I mean, your leading rusher on your team can't be your quarterback. And, and I love Zion and I love what he does with his legs, but there were so many times in the first half of that game that he was like, the, the options just weren't there. He was just going to run it. Like that's it. The, the game plan is Zion's running the ball and whether that's by design or just, the defense showing something Zion wasn't prepared for. Look, they they did a great job on the other side of the ball, both in execution and in play calling. And we said that, but you cannot allow your quarterback to be that exposed during a game because that's when injuries happen. And look, Zion, when you watch him fall, he's he's as gracefully as he can is taking that fall. 
especially on the sideline, he'll do the thing where he turns over and he tries not to land on on his knee or his his shoulder or whatever. And that's great. But 120 whatever yards of rushing, I would rather we not ever see that again. I want to see that from Cabote. I want to see that from from Draylon. I want to see that from the other guys that, you know, the 50 running backs we have on the roster, which d- the running backs didn't do a whole lot, but a lot of that had to do with their aggressiveness and the fact that we got a little bit dominated by their run defense. Look, they game planned us perfectly. And what is going to be so critical is, and Josh is, Josh is criticizing the coaching on, on the first half of the season. What's going to be critical is how the coaching responds to, hey, not only is film out, now films out that shows how to beat us. How are you going to respond to that coaching wise? What kinks are you going to throw into the game plan that will make them second guess what they think you're going to do? There wasn't a whole lot of that, especially in that first half that we saw. Like we saw exactly what we expected to see as an offense and and we couldn't get it done. And there was no there, there, there was there was there were no kinks into our game plan in that first half, no adjustments that made us feel like, okay, well, we we know that they're prepared for this. Let's try to throw something out there. There was nothing. The answer to that was run Zeon run. Drop passes. We, drop passes. No right? creativity on the run game. No not no. many run attempts in the first half. Uh every third down throughout the entire game, you knew. When we were lined up in the shotgun on third down, well, we were always lined up in the shotgun, but especially on third down, you knew Georgia State was sending the house every yeah. time. And it worked. Where every are the time. drag routes? <laughs> where, where are the drag routes? Where are the screens? Where 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 are the wheel routes going to the going to the flat or going to the boundary? Where 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 where's that creativity to counter a blitz? Right? They were forcing Zeon to to do something that's uncomfortable to him, and that's sit in the pocket and make a throw. Well. What are you doing to counter that, right? That, to me, again, it goes back to coaching. And, look, we, we, like Josh said, he said it in the post game. we've always had Dez's back. We love this coaching staff. They, they got taken to school. I'm not. I, there's no other way of putting it. We could not counter. We couldn't counter. No, I agree. So it's, it's, it's on them to, to figure this out in a week against South Alabama because, again, not only is tape out now, tape's out on exactly how the formula you need to beat us. How do we respond? That's what I want to see this weekend. I want to see us respond. I want to see us do different things. I want to see different looks. I want to see when you think Zion's going to run, he passes. I want to see options, right? I want to see different things that we have not seen out of our playbook yet this season coming out against South Alabama because we desperately need it. Obviously, they know how to had a game plan against Zion now. It's been a few games. How do we respond? How does our coaching staff respond? And how do we come out the gates? Is it going to be another flat start? Are we going to have another terrible first half? We can't afford to do that against South Alabama. Can't do it. Totally agree. Totally agree. So we'll put a bow and crumple up the piece of paper from the Georgia I don't know State about a bow. We'll Maybe put a bow. Light. I was just saying, we'll put a bow on it, crumple it up, and throw it in the trash. <laughs> light uh, it on fire. <laughs> after what happened the other night, it was a tough. It was a tough loss, a gut wrenching loss. And and to your point, Nick, it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds this week. I know for a fact this team is tough. They're still gritty. They're not going to quit. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. So the Cajuns again for the last time drop a heartbreaker to the Georgia State Panthers. 
final score at homecoming 20 to 17 in front of a crowd of 20,044 fans. And the Cajuns record now sits at four and three overall one and two in conference play. And they will travel to mobile on Friday, I think, right? Are they taking the bus? Or are they flying? I'm not sure. I think they're take, probably taking the bus to, to mobile. Oh, right? Shoot. That's only a couple hours away. I'd take the About bus. A four hour drive. Yeah. Okay. They'll probably get there. Yeah. They're going to get there Friday. Um, so the Cajuns will be taking on the Jaguars on, on Saturday, October 28th. Kickoff will be at 4 o'clock Central Standard Time. The game will be on ESPN+. Plus. They will be playing on South Alabama's campus at Hancock Whitney Bank Stadium. So let's talk a little bit about the South Alabama Jaguars. So the South Alabama Jaguars come in this week. They've had an 11-day break after demolishing Southern Miss uh, last Tuesday night by the score of 55 to three. They're four and three overall, two and one in conference play. They're coached by coach Kane Womack. He is in his third season. He has a 19 and three record overall. He was 10 and three last year, tied for the Western division title, uh, lost the tiebreaker to Troy. But uh, look, South Alabama last year was a good football team, and they beat the Cajuns at homecoming. Ironically, I believe was it twenty three to twenty or twenty to seventeen? I believe it was twenty to seventeen know. as I well. I was so pissed off. Yeah, the Cajuns need to learn how to score more than seventeen points on homecoming, right? And also win homecoming and games win. and win exactly. So uh, the Cajuns are going to be looking to get some revenge this year uh, as they head over to South Alabama. Now, a little bit about South Alabama. Uh, their wins. They have wins against Southeastern, Oklahoma State. They've defeated UL Monroe, and they've also defeated Southern Miss with also, but also they've lost to Tulane, Central Michigan, as well as JMU. And uh, outside of the Tulane loss, those two losses to uh, Central Michigan and JMU have been within a one score. So they've had some close losses. They are averaging right now, their offense is averaging 35 points a game. And they've only given up 19 points a game. And UL falls right in the middle. The Cajuns are scoring right at 33 points a game. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cajun offense does against a really good defense. I mean, yeah, a really good South Alabama defense. They run a fairly balanced offensive attack. They run a spread similar to the Cajuns. They like to balance it out. Uh, right now, I want to say they're averaging 272 yards of passing. They rank 36 in passing yards, and their rushing their rushing yardage averages 176 yards a game, and ranked 41st in college football right now. Uh, defensively, they are giving up only 198 passing yards, and they're 31st in pass defense. And just like Georgia State, they are only giving up uh, 114 rushing yards, ranked 29th in rush defense. I believe Georgia State, but only was only giving up 111. Uh, rushing yards. And uh, as you saw, the Cajuns had some trouble running the football with their running backs. It looks like they're going to be challenged again this week. And offensively, total offense, South Alabama is averaging 448 yards per game, ranking them 22nd in FBS. And they've given up 312 yards per game. Their total offense, or should I say the defense is ranked 18th in giving up total yardage, which is pretty impressive. So the Cajun offense going to have to turn it up a notch this week as the Cajuns average 367 yards as they rank 60th in FBS in total offense. Now, this is the stat that sticks out to me about the Jaguars. Number one in the country, country in red zone scoring. 
They are 27 of 27 in the red zone. They score. They get in the red zone, they're going to score. The Cajuns are 23 of 31 in the red zone. And let's just say they're not ranked number one in the country. They're a one-tenth. So to me, that that's a little difference maker. That's a little bit of a factor in the game of how, how do the Cajuns do if they get inside the red zone? They're going to have to score because South Alabama can do just that. Uh, red zone defense, their opponents have scored 15 times out of 20, which means that South Alabama's red zone defense is ranked 26th in FBS. So they, this is a good football team. I mean, looking at these stats, this is a very good football team. I mean, when you go up against teams like Tulane, Oklahoma State, and uh, you give JMU a, a good run for their money and you spank ULM and USM back-to-back, this is a good football team. So let's talk a little bit about the players here. I cannot wait till this guy graduates. I feel like I've heard his name every year. Senior quarterback Carter Bra- uh, Carter Bradley, number two. We've seen. It seems like he's been there since South Alabama started football in two thousand nine. He's, like, he's like the Justin Venable, yes. or the uh, or the Stephen Feehan. He just won't go away. <laughs> but guess what? The Cajuns get to see him one last time this year. Uh, he right now is one thirty eight of two hundred five as far as pass completions of pass attempts. He's one thirty. Yeah, one hundred thirty eight. Um, completions out of 205 passing pass attempts. He has 1,775 passing yards for the season, which averages 245 passing yards per game. He's thrown uh, 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. So maybe there's a chance our secondary can step up. He's, he's, he's pick prone, if you will. So he's a good quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. He understands the system and um, the Cajun defense coach Lamar Morgan and his staff, they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's going against Mr. Bradley. Uh, their rushing attack, led by running back, senior number three, LaDamian Webb, another guy that we feel like we see every year. He's got 103 rushing attempts, 578 uh, yards of rushing for the season, 12 touchdowns. He averages 5.6 yards a carry, and he's averaging 83 yards per game on the ground. So he is kind of a big, he's a big workhorse for their rushing attack. Now, the passing game, very impressive. Uh, two receivers that stand out, wide receiver, junior number four, Colin Lacey. We've heard his name a few times, 48 reception, 826 receiving yards, six touchdowns. He has 17 yards per catch, 118 yards per game. So he is going to be pretty much their X factor in the passing game. So Colin Lacey, that is somebody we're going to have to, we definitely are going to be probably eyeing uh, whenever uh, Mr. Bradley goes back to throw. Another receiver to look out for, wide receiver, sophomore number 12, Jamal Pritchett, 24 receptions, 373 receiving yards, one touchdown, 16 yards per reception, 53 yards per game in receiving yards, another weapon uh, in in, in their passing attack. On defense, inside linebacker, senior number 22, Trey Kaiser. He has 42 total tackles, six tackles for losses, or six tackles for loss. Uh, they're also led by linebacker senior number four, James Miller, 43 total tackles, 200, or sorry, 2.5 tackles for loss. Redshirt junior number 95, Brock Higdon, 14 total tackles, 3.3.5 tackles for loss, three sacks. So if uh, Zion wants to get away from the, the front four or front, or front line, Brock Higdon is going to be the guy that's going to be, that he's going to want to probably keep an eye on 
to, to avoid getting sacked. And last but not least, in the secondary, redshirt junior safety, Jaden Voisin. All right, so it's Voisin, how we pronounce it, but it's probably Voisin, the way they pronounce it over there. Uh, 34 total tackles, two interceptions. So he uh, he is somebody who looks like a ball hawk. You want to be aware when Zion goes back to throw. So those are some key names I like to mention just to kind of keep, a, keep an eye out when we take on the Jaguars. If you hear their names, there's a reason why. So looking at these stats, looking at these players, you know, they're a veteran team. They have a lot of talent. They've got speed. They're physical. I feel like they're very similar to us. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? In certain aspects, I would say yes. Um, I, I think the one advantage that stands out to me is when you look at fumbles. Uh, they've had five fumbles on the season and three lost. We've had 16 fumbles on the season, seven lost. Now, we only lost seven out of that 16, but... I mean, when you compare it to, they take care of the ball. And, yeah, and we've and, lost more than they've actually had fumbles. Absolutely. So yeah. that to me is something that stood out to me. Um, a surprising stat is they actually have more penalties or average penalty yards than we do. They average 61 yards of penalties per game. We average around 49, 50. So I, I think if if you're looking at something, maybe maybe early in the game and not not watching a whole lot of their games i don't know if that's if that's uh movement on the line or if if that's silly miss silly personal foul penalties but if it if it does go into the into the after the play stuff then i think you see our guys try to get under their skin a little bit early in the game and try to draw some of those penalties but they seem to be a little bit undisciplined there the one thing that scares me and you've seen this throughout the season, and I think it's an un... I don't think people are talking about this enough, is the fact that we have given up 14 first down conversions out of 18 attempts. Fourth down, excuse me. 14 fourth down conversions out of 18 attempts. That's 77%. When you're talking about a team that is good in the red zone, and then you're talking about the fact that 77% of the time we allow a team to get the fourth down that tells me anything from the 50 on on fourth down they're probably going to go for it because there is a damn good chance they're going to get us get it against our defense so that is one that and the fumbles both of those concern me a little bit but more what concerns me more is one they're almost 50 percent on third down conversion and then two our inability to stop a team on fourth down as much to the tune of 77% of the time that stands out to me a lot. And when you have a high powered offense like them and you're, you're at the 35 yard line debating on, you know, it's fourth and fourth and three, they might go for it. And you know what? There's a 77% chance they get it. So that that's one thing that gives me a little bit of pause is we've got to find a way to stop teams going forward on fourth down because obviously they see that we're having trouble stopping it and they're going to take advantage of that. You got to keep them off the field. That's what you got to do. And, and, on and third look, or part, fourth down. <laughs> and part of that is, is, is offense too, right? So you have to keep, it, it, it throws your entire psyche off of a rhythm, right? And that's what happened last week against Georgia state the defense was on the field for so long 
And whenever the offense would get back on the field, they would get a three and out. They couldn't move the football. So what would happen? We'd have to punt. We force a turnover. And then Georgia State's back on the field. And what and happens? Not only that, Jerry, tires. But, but not only that, look at the field position that Georgia State put us in. I mean, their special teams put us in. We almost had a freaking safety late in the game because we couldn't get it out of the end zone. Nearly couldn't get it out of the end zone. Their punter did a fantastic job. He did. No, he did. And and I feel like we took a step back. Here was another kick out of bounds on a kickoff, setting them up at the 40. What? Why do we keep doing that, Jerry? There cannot be any... If somebody's coaching the guy to be directional on a kickoff to the, to the point where it goes out of bounds, fire him. I can't believe that's what we're doing at this point. You've got... I, I, Terry said how many yards it is you know, between between the two sidelines. It's like You've, 50, isn't it? It's like 50-something yards. Yeah. Like, just kick it within the 50-something yards. And you know what? If he breaks one for, for 40, okay, I'm going to still be pissed at, 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 our, at our kick coverage. But at least we didn't kick it out of bounds. We didn't even make him work for it. I don't understand the thinking. And so what do we start doing? We start pooch kicking. Now, it ended up helping us because they only got it at the 30 after a pooch. But we got to be able to kick the damn ball through the end zone. This is so frustrating. It's true. And that could be that could be yet again another another thing that we have to worry about going into this game besides a third and fourth down conversion, besides our 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 ability to be penalty prone and be undisciplined. Now we also got to worry about the special teams not kicking the ball out of bounds. I mean, think about it. Let's let's say we come back and we tie the game. We, you know, we go for a kickoff and we kick it out of bounds and get it at the 40. In a high-powered offense like like South Alabama, that ain't that ain't a good thing. We have got to clean that up. And we're eight games into the season still talking about it. When are we going to clean that stuff up? That's oh, a good point. It's a fair point. And it's, you know, field position is huge. And if you notice the games we've lost, it's, it's because of the battle of field position, especially against, I mean, ODU was a prime example of that. And we gave their... I mean, our, our kickoff coverage just had a bad night. And, I mean, ODU started a lot of their drives within 60 yards. You know, they didn't have they didn't have too many long drives. And so if to the credit of, of, of Georgia State, we didn't get that luxury. So all of our drives, we had to earn everything we had. And on top of that, we, we, we couldn't move the football until the second half. I mean, even there was a drive. Their punt, the, the punter drove us. Um, he, I think he punted twice since we got inside the 10 yard line, or at least once, and at a crucial time. And, and even in that last drive, we started out on like our own 20 and had to go all the way downfield. Uh, that, that, that takes a toll on an offense that struggled the other night. That takes a toll on you. And so this week, to me, you have to do whatever you can to pin that South Alabama offense way back in their own territory. Make them earn everything because this is one of those weeks you do not want to give that offense good field position, especially the fact that they're number one in, in red zone scoring. You want to make it hard for them to get in the red zone, let alone the end zone. So, no, I think special teams is crucial this week, especially when it comes to, to field position. Special teams, and again, we've got to show that we can stop a team on fourth down. And they're going to challenge us. I'm, I guarantee you, they see the stat that I'm reading. If I can read it, they know it. They know that if they go forward a fourth down, nine out of ten times, they're going to get it. 
So we've got to show the ability early in the game, if there is an opportunity for them to go forward on fourth down, we've got to stop them early. If we do not, they will continue to do it. So I think that's going to be big as well. I want to go back on my special teams comment and just make sure that I mention Dalen Cambry continues to be uh, a force to be reckoned with on the special team side. I mean, he his play again this game nearly it, it it definitely turned the momentum in our favor, but that was almost another turning point two weeks or, or two games in a row where his one play nearly, you know, turned the momentum so much that we won those two games. So again, I'm a big fan of Dalen. I look for him to have do big things on special teams again this week. So I didn't want to I didn't want to put it all on, on special teams as a whole. Dalen is definitely that that diamond in the rough there. Well, that that fake punt flipped the script because we get all in the second half. We're down 20 to 7. Once again, we get a three and out. The offensive drive stalls. And then we pull off a fake punt for 18 yards. And even though we didn't get in the end zone, we still we still got points. And so when the fact that we got points, yes, it was only 20 to 10, but at the same time, now we started to kind of pierce their, def their their defense a little bit more on a longer drive where we had to start in our own territory. And then before you know it, we get another three and out and the very next drive we score. So to me, that that fake punt, basically almost if we win that game, that that's the that's the to me, that's the play of the game. Yeah. But again, it we, we shouldn't have to depend on that to get things going. I like the fact that we we we're being you know, making some key plays on special teams. I think that's huge, but, but we shouldn't have to depend on that to flip the script. I, I feel like we have to be more consistent offensively and be able to sustain drives without, without that stuff. But no, to, da to Dalen's credit, I mean, no, he he's, he's a diamond in the rough. If you ask me. And to go back to my comments about the last play of the game and how I still would have been pissed off at the play call, even if we would have scored, I think this, at this point of the game, we needed something. And like you said, we shouldn't have to depend on a trick play, a fake punt, but we needed something to spark the team. And if it didn't work, I wouldn't have been pissed off that he called it because at least he's trying to, we're trying to get a spark under this team and, and get them going. So in the same way that somebody said, well, you would have been happy with the play call at the end of the game. No, I wouldn't have. And just like I wouldn't have been pissed off at this play call in the middle of the game if it didn't work. I think it's what we needed at that point and crucial moment and it worked for us and, and i'm glad it did no it did and, and we were able to turn things around um but <laughs> you you can't depend on that by the uh, way by the way georgia southern is now up 34 to 7 on georgia state with 9 11 left in the third quarter wow they let all their energy out on us 34 week, to like. 7 yeah teams it, i i don't know what it is a lot of teams get hyped out, up to man. play against it. Well, well, Texas but, State. Texas State should have lost to ULM the week before after I they know. played us. I know. It's crazy. Southern Miss, I mean, they play us like we're the freaking national champions every year. I don't understand it. Well, well, let's hope let's hope that doesn't happen on November 9th. But we still have two games between then to take care of business and hopefully we get enough momentum uh to take we we owe the Golden Eagles tremendously after the constant beatdowns they've given us. But uh anyway, so Nick, um, what are your key, three keys to victory against the Jaguars this weekend? Yeah, um, so first, I think we've got to stop them on third and especially fourth downs, especially early in the game. 
um, to show them that we can. Otherwise, that could turn into something nasty later in the game. Uh, take advantage of opportunities that are given to you. If if there is a fumble or if there is a, an opportunity to get an interception and we and we do that, we got to get points. And I'm not talking three. We got to get seven because they're a damn good team offensively and we got to keep up with them. And again, I will say this. Every week going forward, special teams has got to do their job. They don't have to do an A plus job. I'm not talking about Kenny. Can he miss a kick? No big deal. I mean, the dude made 18 in a row. Um, He missed it. That's fine. Move on. But our special teams as a whole, outside of he and Dalen, need to get better. And we got to kick the damn ball on kickoffs within the 53-yard space we have on the field and not kick it out of bounds. So those are my three keys to victory this week. Yeah, my three keys to victory, kind of similar to yours. Um, score early. The last two weeks, we have not scored early. And we have not set the tone. We have not set up a good tempo in the first half, which has caused us to get behind the eight ball and get down by double digits. And I feel like this weekend, you go on the road to a team that's really hot right now, getting down by double digits early on spells trouble for the rest of the game. I don't see an opportunity to come back like you did at home uh, if you get down two, point, uh, two scores, especially against a team that offensively is just on fire. So... We have to score early. We have to get hot early, make some big plays early, and set the tempo to where uh, this we can make this game a lot closer and a lot more uncomfortable for South Alabama. The second key to victory to me is avoid giving up the big plays. Uh, South Alabama scores on big plays. If you look at their highlights, they you know yes they can sustain drives like Georgia State did, but a lot of their scores come on long pass plays. They come on long run plays, and they just wear you down like that. And I think. If you're able to avoid the big plays and just like the last two weeks, force them to earn every yard that they get, I think that could be something that can work to our advantage. But like you said, Nick, whether it's a third down conversion or including a fourth down conversion, do what you can to get them off the field and get them off the field quickly to where our offense could get something going, sustain drives, increase that time of possession and throw off their game. Also, win the line of scrimmage battle. I thought last week we, for the most part, Georgia State beat us on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball on us very well. They had, um, I mean, they had some really bad gashes against our front seven. And uh, defensively, they put a lot of pressure on our guys and held us to 165 yards rushing, uh, to which to which most of those rushing yards came from Zion Chris. Uh, that's due to the fact that their front their front seven dominated us. Uh, in that regard, we have to win the line of scrimmage battle against this team. Cannot do that like we did last week. Uh, if we dominate the line of scrimmage, I think to me, that's how we win this game. So again, score early, get off to a good start, avoid giving up big plays, make them earn everything and win the line of scrimmage battle. That's my three keys to victory. Look, and as you wrap that up, Josh asked a good question. What were our third down stats on offense against Georgia State? We were seven for 18. So that's that's an opportunity we're going to have. I mean, and, and granted, a lot of that 18 was in the first half. So the seven came in the second half. So that might be a little bit, you know, um, distorted, but it's still your seven out of 18. You got to do better on third down. And, and that reflected in our score. Yeah, absolutely. And again, seven of 18 on third down. What does that mean? You have to punt and you give them the ball back. And in the first half, 
They were moving the ball very well, and they were gashing us on the line. I mean, <laughs> their quarterback goes down. We put a hard hit on them. Their quarterback goes down. And their second-string quarterback goes in, and all he does is hand the ball off, and he keeps it one time, runs a draw. Yeah, Granger. It was Granger that went down. Second-string quarterback comes in from, like, their own 40. All he does is hand the ball off, and he runs one quarterback keeper on third down. They score. And we knew it was coming. We they, knew the guy wasn't going to throw I mean, the ball. He wasn't didn't throw one time. So why the hell did we struggle with that? Because we got dominated in the trenches. That's that's where I say win the line of scrimmage battle. That, that's that's prime example. And when you do something like that, you, your spirit is shot. Your spirit is killed. You go back on the sideline, all worn out, going, "What what's going on?" That 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 was that was a prime example of that. So, um, you know, again, the more you convert on third down, the more you extend drives, the more you keep them off the field from doing that, and the more you the, the more your defense is rested, well rested. This is a team, the South Alabama team is a team that can wear you down pretty fast if you don't do things right. Again, they've outscored their opponent in the last two weeks. They've 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 scored 55 points their last two games against ULM and Southern Miss. They've scored in both of those games, they scored exactly the same way. 31 points in the first half, 24 points in the second half. So when I talk about start, you know, score early and start fast, we can't, I hope they don't. I don't see them scoring 31 points against us in the first half, but I hope they still don't get to 20 in the first half either. Well, I think we can't, we can't wait for second half adjustments. Like if we're going to make adjustments on defense or offense, we got to do it on the fly. We got to do it on the next drive. We can't wait to get in the locker room and start, you know, cause you might be down 31 by the time you get in the locker room. So you've got to make those adjustments on the fly as the game progresses. This is going to be very telling on our coaching staff, on both sides of the ball, on how we respond. Because again, we know South Alabama can score and they're holding teams to under 20 points a game. How do we adjust to that on the fly? That'll be and, very telling. And that's the thing, Nick. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like this game is it's probably, and everybody kept saying the Georgia State game was the most important game. I feel like this is the most important game because I feel like if we win this game, we can carry that into Arkansas State. We can carry that into Southern Miss. And then that's when you start, that's when we start getting into a groove. That's when we start hitting stride into the crutch of our season, where now every single play matters because now the standings start getting affected in the conference, right? I feel like this game is sort of that gatekeeper to whether or not we can make a run. I, I yeah. think if we win this game, you now now you're I mean, I know Troy only has one conference loss, but you'll give you'll give South Alabama their second conference loss. So now you're you you win you have the tiebreaker over them. So now you're in second place, and then you still have a shot at Troy. And Troy still has to play Texas State. So does South Alabama. Both those teams have to play Texas State. So that's the importance of winning this game because now that can set the trend moving forward of us being in that race for the Western division look i i would typically agree with you on this i think i would agree with you on this had we beaten georgia state but i think we're at the point of our season where the only game i care about is the next one and well, i that's feel where we are yeah yeah and, and and look i'm 
I know we're talking about the three at the bottom of the division, but they are still three teams that if you're not playing your A game, they could still come up and beat you. I mean, Arkansas State has has gotten a couple of wins that you kind of were like, whoa, what the hell? ULM, they, I mean, they almost win every week and they seem to lose it somehow. They beat us last year. Beat us last year, man. Now, are we a better team than we were last year? Yeah, but still, um, they're going to come in knowing that, that and we're going to have a target on us because they want to beat us every year. Southern Miss always they always get hyped up in every sport that they play against us. So while I get your point and I appreciate it, I think this team this this game tells us when you couple it with Texas State, if we beat South Alabama, then you're starting to feel like okay, we can beat any team in this in this in the West. But if you drop this game, one you're behind the eight ball and two you're starting to question yourself a little bit. So I think for confidence purposes and for uh, you know us going through the remainder of the season, I think this is the biggest game by far that we have had this season. And it will tell, again, it will tell me a lot about how our coaching staff has responded to what Georgia State did to us last week. And also, again, if we can make adjustments on the fly, if we can do that. And I think if we can do that, then then that'll put us in a much better position than than we should be in if we go down by one or two scores. But man, if if we do what we did last week and just wait until halftime and go in and say, "All right, guys, let's let's turn it around," it's gonna be a long night. No, we're gonna lose. I was gonna say it straight up. We're gonna lose if we do that. And you know, I like your point about the next game is the most important. And it, like, it's kind of a cliche statement, but you're right. I think what I'm trying to imply here, what I was implying was if we win this game, the schedule kind of, I hate to say it like this, but it does ease up a little bit, right? Arkansas State's inconsistent. Southern Miss is probably their worst team they've had in a decade. Now, granted, they always, like you said, they always play us as if, you know, they're playing for a championship. But I feel like you win this game and you 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 take the same approach moving forward you can get things going and get into that groove. So by the time you get to Troy, you're on a three-game win streak. You have momentum. You have confidence. That, to me, is what's the mo- most important thing about this game, besides the fact that you know this is a, this is a race for the Western Division. You get um, This game, to me, is the gatekeeper. It's the gatekeeper. This game, to me, is going to tell us whether we're ahead of where we were last year. That's um, a good point. I mean, I mean that that's it. I I mean, we we've been so up and down all season. You know, we had some high highs beating Texas State, low lows losing to ODU, nearly losing to Buffalo. Feels like last year, lost to ULM, y'all lost to Rice. Feels like up and down. This game will tell me if if you know where 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 are we. Uh, really, the rest of the game the games this season will tell tell me where are we because we should beat. The three teams on the schedule handily. The three bottom teams on the schedule. On paper, yeah. We should. On paper. Will we? We should have beaten Rice last year. Hell, we should have beaten Old Dominion this year. We didn't. We should have beaten Georgia State last week. We didn't. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it'll tell us. that To me, this will be very telling again on how far not only how our talent has come, but also how far our coaching has come. That's another thing, too, is... is- how do the coaches adjust 
after the last two weeks of not being able to get things going because the scripted plays, you know, Josh mentioned it. <laughs> we we didn't do too well with those scripted plays against Texas State or Georgia State, which is weird because usually it's the scripted plays that kind of get your offense into a groove. Um, I think this time around, the scripted plays are going to have to work. <laughs> They're going to have to work this time if they want a chance. So anyways, uh, for those of you who are going to South Alabama this week, um, I remember when I used to go, uh, I've been, I actually went in 2021. Uh, I stay in Biloxi. Uh, I've stayed in Biloxi. They got a whole slew of casinos down there. You've got the Beau Rivage, the Hard Rock, uh, Harris, uh, Golden Nugget. And, and it's about a 40 five minute drive to South Alabama's campus to mobile straight shot on I-10 uh, met a few Cajun fans that have done the same in the past. Uh, I think I stayed when we went to the bowl game of mobile in mobile, we did the same thing. But uh, if you are going to mobile, uh, there are a lot of places to stay, to stay along the coast. Mobile is a great place. If you want to go maybe drive an extra 45 minutes to Gulf shores and check out the beach front, you can do that. So if you're making a trip down there, just to let you know, it's interesting that I I got a text message from a buddy of mine and I looked at their ticket prices. So so to anybody wondering, the ticket prices are very affordable at South Alabama. And, and you know, we talk about the ticket prices here and the ridiculous fees that we have with Ticketmaster, you know, the fees that equal the amount of the actual ticket. Check these ticket prices out. Okay, Nick, I actually did some my research yesterday on South Alabama's website and Hancock Whitney Stadium. You know, the brand new stadium with where every view in the stadium is fairly nice. Because I actually, when I went to the game in 21, um, that was the first time I stepped foot in the stadium. And by the way, it's a, I think the stadium holds around 25,000 fans. It's right in the heart of their campus. I mean, it is, it is, it is a perfect size stadium and perfect location for that school. I thought they did a great job with it. And so I go on their website and I'm look, I got three, I got three different sections. Okay. I got one section where the Cajuns are sitting. I got one section around the 10 yard line on the other side. And I have one in the corner end zone on the home side or where, where South Alabama, uh, most of the South Alabama fans are. So I'll start with the Cajun section because that's where most UL fans will be sitting in section 130 total ticket costs with fees and everything included. Nick, take a guess of what it was. And this is on the first section, by the way, like a few rows from the field. I don't know, man. 20 bucks, 25, $25 section two fourteen, second deck corner in zone opposite end on South Alabama side, second deck. Take a guess on what the total, maybe that, maybe that one's 20 bucks, 20 bucks with fees and everything included fees, taxes, everything grand. Total Ours would 20 be 20 bucks. bucks. And then they add on 20. So it'd be 40. It'd be 42 because there'd be a little extra like sales tax on top <laughs> the $3 of $3 sales tax. <laughs> Good yeah. God, man. So, so, so these two sections, 130 in the, in the bottom corner is 25 bucks total. That's where most of the Cajun fans would probably sit. So you'll probably pay around 25. If you sit in the uh, second deck uh, on the home side, it's 20 bucks. Section 222, the five to 10 yard line, second deck, where you could pretty much see everything. Grand total twenty five dollars. So you're paying anywhere in the stadium a grand total of anywhere from twenty to twenty five dollars a ticket, and that's with fees and taxes and sales taxes, everything included in these ticket prices. Could you imagine if we did that here? I, I, I was going to say, don't come at me. Well, well, you can get those prices if you go to the t 
ticket office. Well, you shouldn't have to go to the freaking ticket office, okay? We're preaching digital. You shouldn't have to go to the ticket office. I live in Lafayette and got these ticket prices online. So, we got to get I mean, out of this ticket master. It's not contract, like I, man. I can't just get in a plane and go go fly to Mobile to go to their ticket office to go get their tickets. I mean, what I'm saying is, is if South Alabama can sell general admission tickets in nice sections for grand totals of twenty to twenty-five dollars with fees and everything included, ours shouldn't be around forty to forty-five dollars for the same thing. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Blaming the current administration because it's not their decision. They didn't. Oh decide no, no, to it's sign not the master. It's but not. It's not. We, but we got to get. We got to get out that deal. We, we got to get out that deal. Selling tickets, it's with with. I, I, it's not rocket science. Like you can't tell me that it's com that complicated to set up a system to sell tickets, or or there isn't a system already set up that we can buy and pay on the front end and kick on a couple maybe twenty five cents a ticket to pay for it. There's got to be a better solution than Ticketmaster. That is absolutely awful. Well, they okay. So I so South Alabama uses a ticket company called Paceolin. I'm not sure who use like of any other schools or what other schools use them, but that I think it's I think it's pronounced Paceolin, and they're the ones that handle um, the tickets. And I believe it's internal, kind of like I don't I care. Southern Miss it, does the same thing. I don't care what it's called. It could be Nicodomia, whatever it's called. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The fact that they can do this cheaper. It tells you everything. It's not rocket science. They're doing the same thing as Ticketmaster and doing it for cheaper. So we have got to find a way to get out of this contract. I'm sure there's a renewal up at some point. But if it, look, I, I will still blame. There are tickets available. If you want to go to a game, there are tickets available. And if you want to go, you don't have to pay a dollar. I guarantee you. That being said. We've got to do everything we can to get the people to want to go to the games. And if they don't want to go searching for free tickets, be able to pay, you know, 60 bucks to take a whole family out. We got to find a way to do that. And that starts with with this Ticketmaster debacle that that's got to go. And I think that's consensus among all fans. I don't think anybody's saying, oh, I love Ticketmaster. Nah, it's awful. No, I mean, when, when again, when your fees and your taxes equal or the amount of fees and taxes equal the actual cost of the ticket, then you've got problems. Because again, yeah. it's one ticket. I mean, if, if I pay an $18 general admission ticket and my grand total is 40 bucks, you know. And I you mean, can't even get the freaking physical ticket. Like it's not no. even, you know, and I, look, I'm all about the digital age, but let me tell you, when I go to a bowl game, I keep those tickets and I display those tickets and I'm proud of having the physical ticket in front of me. So you're telling me I got to pay $45 for a $20 ticket and I don't even get a physical ticket? What kind of BS is that? Got to get rid of them. It's ridiculous. But anyway, so yeah, if you are going to the South Alabama game this weekend, if you are going to Mobile, just know that the tickets you buy are going to be fairly affordable. So uh, I guess that's one thing you get to look forward to for any Cajun fans traveling down to mobile for this matchup so that's a little bit of a preview we'll come back with the predictions before the end of this episode um so yeah again cajuns taking on south alabama this weekend the jaguars at it with a record they have both teams have a record of four and three the only difference is south alabama's two and one in conference cajuns sit at one and two in conference and kickoff will be saturday at 4 p.m you can watch the game on espn plus listen to the game on hot 1079 or 103.3 The Goat, and the game will be played on campus at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, or Hancock-Whitney Bank Stadium, and there are tickets available. Uh, it's not going to be a sellout. The place, is, the place might be packed. Uh, usually, I, I think uh, 
I think they usually bring a crowd when the Cajuns come to town, but it should be a great atmosphere. The weather should be nice. Fall weather should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool. Mobile and Lafayette have a little bit of a rivalry somewhat. Because, yeah, um, they're very remember, similar. They're they very similar. And I remember um, when the ice skaters were playing, they had the Mobile Mystics. And they could not ever beat us. And that was the most fun rivalry ever because we just would go over there and spank them every single time. But off topic, did, did you watch wrestling as a kid? You probably didn't. But sort of, yeah. There was yeah, the I Undertaker, did. right? The Undertaker, well, of course, yeah. I mean, and his his manager was Paul Bearer, big. Oh yes. Well, yeah. funny story. Um, through hockey and and the Mobile Lafayette, it was a friendly rivalry. It was never ugly, but through that rivalry, I started talking to this guy Mobile and blah blah blah, whatever. He turned out to be Paul Bearer's son. Really? And so, I, lifelong friend ever since then. Great dude. Unfortunately, uh, Paul passed away well that's bob is his real name he passed away a few years ago um i went to the funeral um but really cool that that i knew his son and it's just it's crazy how those things go out so through through hockey in louisiana which is crazy enough i met paul bearer's son well paul bearer is one of the most famous uh managers in the history of the of all time i mean yeah th there's no there's no doubt outside of uh what's the guy's name now the one who beat the under um who beat the undertaker uh, who was the manager in WrestleMania 30? Um, Brock Lesnar. I, I, I quit watching it Brock after <laughs> Let me ask you this off topic. Who was your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, Ric Flair, by far. Ric Flair? Yeah. yeah as a kid, that's because that's when I grew, I grew up when Ric Flair and Sting were like, you know, and I saw them in the Cajun Dome. And like, I was still young enough to like hope Sting won. But then... Ric Flair like was just the the bad guy, and then it started being cool to like the bad guys. So 100% Ric Flair. NWO era. Yeah, I was I grew up a, a Hulkamaniac, but he uh, he kind of turned he turned bad. But I, I fell in love with the NWO, and of course, um, I, I'm a huge fan of The Rock. I was always a big fan of The Rock. So when when Hulk Hogan and The Rock wrestled at WrestleMania 18, that was I mean that was a dream come true. For Sorry, me. Josh, my ADHD takes over sometimes, yeah. and I go on a tangent. <laughs> the whole point of this, the whole point of this, Josh, was that there's a great fun rivalry between Mobile and Lafayette dating back way back in the day, and that's how Absolutely. we ended up me talking about Paul Bearer's son. There you go. So anyway, we won't get too far off out in the woods, but uh, it's always good to bring up you know childhood memories like that. But anyway, so. That's going to do it for the preview part going into South Alabama. Again, we will talk about predictions towards the end of the episode. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sunbelt Conference. Obviously, right now, as we speak, I know when this episode airs tomorrow, um, the game will be over. But Georgia State and Georgia Southern are playing. I'll get to that score in a minute because we have to review, have to review what happened last week in the Sunbelt Conference. So. Starting off, James Madison goes to Marshall. They defeat the Thundering Herd by the score of 20 to 9. They remain undefeated. Georgia Southern took care of ULM, but ULM actually gave them a decent fight, but just not enough. Georgia Southern victorious over the Warhawks in Statesboro by the score of 38 to 28. Old Dominion making Sean Clark's seat a little bit hotter. ODU, big victory over Appalachian State. They defeat the Mountaineers in Virginia by the score of 28-21. to 21. Coastal Carolina goes to Jonesboro, takes care of business against the Red Wolves of Arkansas State 
Coastal Carolina defeats Arkansas State by the score of 27-17. to South Alabama, as we all know, defeated Southern Miss last Tuesday night by the score of 55-3. to And, of course, as we all know, the dreaded score, Georgia State defeats the Cajuns by the score of 20-17. to And speaking of Georgia State, they're actually playing tonight against Georgia Southern. Uh, currently, right now, it's not looking so pretty for the Panthers. Georgia Southern leads their arch rival by the score, or Georgia Southern leads Georgia State, their arch rival, by the score of 34 to 21. But believe it or not, Georgia State's making a little bit of a comeback and they have the football to start the fourth quarter. So it'll be interesting to see uh, once everybody starts listening tomorrow uh, how the game turned out. Unfortunately, uh, we'll probably be off the air by the time this game is over. But looks like Georgia State, uh, they kind of put on their Cajuns hat and decided to show up in the second half, Nick. Yeah. Um, oh, man, they can't. Georgia, Georgia Southern can't blow this game. I mean, I, I keep on uh, looking over. Uh, man, I can't stand Sean Elliott. I, I just I want them to lose at everything. I want them to lose at tiddlywinks because <laughs> of that guy. Anyways, so that's going on right now in Statesboro. The Battle of the Rock. Southern Miss. Now, this game was hyped big time before the season started. Uh, two teams, both black and gold. Stadiums, both nicknamed the Rock. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles will travel to Boone, North Carolina to take on the App State Mountaineers. Both teams have must wins. This is a must win for both. Uh, right now, App State sits at three and four. And uh, let's just say their fans have been very vocal about how, how unhappy they are. On the other hand, you've got a one and six Southern Miss team where they totally got destroyed by South Alabama last week and their head football coach, Will Hall, officially gave up his uh, play calling duties. And I believe he handed the play calling duties over to his offensive line coach. So there's going to be some changes there in certain obligations. I mean, when the head coach gives up his play calling duties, there's something obviously wrong. So again, Southern Miss uh, will take on App State. Kickoff at 2.30 Central Standard Time. Game will be on ESPN+. Plus. So the Cajuns' next opponent after South Alabama, Arkansas State, will travel to Monroe, Louisiana to take on the ULM Warhawks. Kickoff will be at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Marshall travels to Coastal Carolina to take on the Chanticleers. Kickoff is at 5, and you will, you will see the game on the NFL Network. Big Western Division game next to the Cajuns in South Alabama. Troy will go to San Marcos to take on the Texas State Bobcats. That's actually going to be a really good matchup. Looking forward to seeing how that works. Uh, Troy and Texas State will kick off at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and the game will be on ESPN+. And Old Dominion will travel to number 25, JMU, to take on the Dukes, and that kickoff will be at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, and the game will be televised on ESPNU. And actually, this is the second straight year in a row, JMU, even though they're in the transition period, has been ranked in the top 25. Can we talk about this? Sure. Because I'm got. so sick of hearing James Madison fans talk about, well, we need an exception. Well, we need this. Well, you need to change the rules. Well, there's things called amendments to rules, and we need to be allowed to do blah, blah, blah. Look, I get it would be great for the conference. The rules are in place for a reason. It may be a stupid reason, and, and maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to you, but Georgia Southern had to go through it. 
App State had to go through it. And guess what? You're not exempt either. So you can have your little Secretary of State or Attorney General write the NCAA. You can have your little politician, senator, whatever, throw this big, go off on a tangent on Twitter to get more votes. But at the end of the day, it's not going to get changed. So shut up about it. We get it. It sucks. I'd be pissed too if I were a fan. But you got to give it up, man. Like, I get it. I get it. It sucks. But quit trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. It's not. The NCAA has already made it clear that they are not going to change the rules because James Madison is having another good season. Give it up. I'm not. I, I don't hate James Madison, but I'll tell you what. Half of this league is tired of hearing from their fans bitching and moaning every week on how they should be this and they should be that. It would be great for the league. Guess what? Do it next year. You do it next year, you don't have a problem. Tired of hearing of it. Sick of it. Shut up. Take your medicine. And 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 when you're when you qualify to do it, do it. Then we can talk. But until then, stop. Because it's annoying. You're annoying all of us. That is all I have to say about that. <laughs> Look, man, I, I don't like it either. You know, I look, I, it, it, it's, it's a bummer because when JMU wins and these teams win, it helps our conference. So JMU being in the top 25, especially as an FCS call-up in their second year in Fantastic. a row, Amazing. being in the top 25, that's very impressive. But unfortunately, you can't just bend the rules because you're winning games. I don't like the rules. I, look, I wish JMU could be in the hunt for a New Year's Six. I think they, they could compete for one. But the problem is, is when you sign the contract to make the transition and I don't look, I don't think the transition rules are right. I think if you're good enough, you should go to play in the postseason. I think it's only fair. But to me, to set that precedence, you have to set that precedence before the team moves. You can't just all of a sudden on the fly. It's not like the COVID season where you can just change your mind on the fly because half of college football is not even playing. Unfortunately for JMU, they're stuck in a predicament where their team's not only really good, but they're ranked and they don't get that opportunity. Look, I, I don't like it, but before you transition to me, what the solution should be is let this be an example to the NCAA to where when a team moves up to the FBS level, that the rules are in place to where there's no, you know, bowl ban or postseason ban or postseason um, you know, moratorium once they transition up. Because look, I look, I think GMU deserves a spot in the postseason. I do. But unfortunately, when you sign the contract to move up, unfortunately, that's just that's just the way that it is. Well, I think it's right. I think that but, now that it's, you know, a hundred million dollars to move up from FCS to FBS or whatever it is, I think it's like five million now. Uh, it is a number. I don't think you're gonna see that many more move-ups in the next few years. So I think that's going to work itself out. But yeah, I, I think, look, if you agree to the rules when you sign to do it, then you can't just say, well, you know, I, one of the arguments was, well, you know, amendments are made in the laws in the country. We ain't talking about laws in the country. We're talking about FBS football. Like there ain't, there ain't amendments to be made. The answer is no. So don't fall for this politician that you agree disagree with 99% of the time, but now on her side because she's being loud about, about thinking that she's going to change anything. Nobody's going to change anything. Y'all just calm down, and when it's your time, do it. I, I have mad respect for what you've done already. Top 25 is fantastic. You might still get a bowl bid depending on how many teams are bowl eligible. 
but just shut up about it. We get it. It sucks. Move on. I just don't know. The thing for me is in that regard is so if there's no specific or strict rule in place to make a postseason in a transition period, does that mean it's a it's a it's a situational thing now? Like if your team wins so many games that all of a sudden now they should be bowl eligible and allowed to go to a bowl game again, that needs to be settled before a team moves. You well, can't think, just do that on the fly because but, this team is all of a sudden winning. I, I don't, again, I don't like it. I, I I'm actually upset as like some JMU fans are, but at the same time, I hate to say it, but you were, you kind of agreed to it when you, when you made the move, not yeah. saying it's right, but, but uh, again, yeah. they still may have the opportunity because it's my understanding if there aren't enough bowl eligible teams. So if you have a team that is, you know, five and seven, you know, and sometimes they have to admit those because they're not eligible teams. I think they get a nod before those teams. So there may still be an opportunity. They think that they should be in the conversation for the uh, a New Year six game. But I mean. It's almost look. They're they're almost like Liberty fans. They think that they deserve everything. Liberty fans are the same way. Those are Liberty fans are the most delusional bunch of fans I've ever seen in my life. But well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Liberty's undefeated, beating Sam Houston. Like, don't tell them that. I, I, mean, I mean, they're they're pumping up Sam Houston like they're, they're the freaking their next the best game, in the country. Their next game is against Louisiana Tech, who's three and six. And, and, that might and be the only like, that might be the only game I ever pull for Louisiana Tech is to beat Liberty. I want somebody to beat no, Liberty no. just to shut them up. No, I'm sorry. because because Liberty beating them gives Louisiana Tech their third straight losing season. So no, I'm hoping Liberty hangs sixty on them. But that's just me. That's just I'm. <laughs> I mean, that's good just, point. So, anyways, but but yeah, to your point. It's unfortunate the rules are the way they are. Um, and look, they they could amend them if they wanted to, but what precedence does it set for the future? Is it going to be a situational thing where if a team just automatically becomes I mean, what if if you want to set those those boundaries where in the future when a team moves up, hey, if you make the top 25, you get a shot. Or if you if you win eight games, you you get you get to go, or you win so many games, kind of like the bowl eligibility rule of how many FBS teams you beat, that's fine. But you got to set it before it happens. You can't just all of a sudden the team starts winning and, oh, well, they, they need to change it. I'm, I'm just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, Jerry. I'm just sick of hearing about it. Like, we all know it's not going to happen. Quit your whining. Move on. Anyways, back to the schedule. Uh, you know, and I, I mentioned pretty much every game. And last but not least, Cajuns, South Alabama, 4 o'clock. I've already said that on Saturday. ESPN+. Plus. So that's going to do it for Around the Sun Belt. Let's talk a little bit about what happened the other night on campus. This is a new event to kick off men's and women's basketball. UL Swamp Slam. It was in the Student Union Courtyard. There was a really cool basketball court, free throw line, three-point line. There were three-point shooting contests for both men's and women's basketball there was the Sunbelt Conference ring ceremony for the men's basketball team and their Sunbelt Conference Championship last year. They got their rings. There were food trucks, uh, food trucks for the students to enjoy dinner and get some good, some good, uh, some good eats uh, on campus. That was really cool. And a Red Dot Club sign-up, which the Red Dot Club, I was told, I believe Coach Marlin uh, ordered a bunch of Red Dot shirts. It looks like they're trying to bring the Red Dots back to the student body, Nick. I think that's pretty cool. I, I, do you want to get student involvement? That's how you do it. 
I I like everything that they did with this event, and I like the red dot thing. Regardless of of if you're thrilled about where they went with this coaching situation or whatever, the fact of the matter is we we still got to support the guys that are on the team. And if we want to be known as one of the better, I hate saying mid majors, but you know that term in the country, we got to show up to the games. It's the same as 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 football. So we got to find a way to energize the students because I think it really does start with the students. And it's good to see the the uh, the coaching staff and the administration do some creative things and try to get students there and participating because a lot of I, I feel like we're we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We we kind of missed out on this stuff because we haven't been doing it longer, but it's it's good to see them making an effort and. Uh, Hey, you got to give credit to to whoever made this happen because I think it's a great thing. And the red dots, man, that goes way back before even our time, Jerry. Um, Black and Coliseum. Days, and man. so that <laughs> look, create you. Can, we can create that excitement. Um, it's just somebody's got to got to take that step and give the effort. And it's good to see the effort being made again. Don't it. stop. Don't stop if if in the first season you only get you know five people signing up for the red dot club. Keep it going. It will happen if you keep it, keep trying, but you can't do a one and done. But uh, hopefully we get some student participation. I know Doug goes to the games. I know Alex goes to the games. I know a bunch of students go to the games, but we need to, again, start start showing up to, to support our 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 uh, players and and their colleagues, really, in 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 uh, college. So no, I, I think that's exciting. I mean, I think that's how you build a student section. That's how you build a spirit group. I think that's how you build atmosphere. You know, lately. Uh, the Cajun Dome atmosphere has not been up to par with what we've seen in the past. And, you know, people could throw every excuse. Oh, it's basketball's dead in the South and all this foolishness. Look, I don't believe that. I think if you create an environment that creates fan engagement, the Cajun Dome could be rocking. I remember when we brought the Cajun chicken back last year, and I keep bringing it up. That place was, it was loud. It, it brought back so many memories. I remember telling Kayla, walking out the Cajun Dome, I said, babe, this is what the Cajun Dome used to be like when this team was winning every year. And, and, we had about, I think it was like 5,500. It was, yeah, 5,500 people showed up to that game. I said, we used to have seven or 8,000. Now picture seven or 8,000 with that same type of energy. That's why we would always win at home. We were always a six man in that, in that dome. So you want to get that type of crowd. You want to get that type of camaraderie and you want to kill that narrative that, oh, it's not the same in the South. Nonsense. You get the students involved. You get the Red Dot Club going and you build you build a coalition of students who will show up every game, bring the same amount of energy, and it'll feed off into the fans, and it'll create an environment to where people would want to go. And so I, I'm excited about that. When I heard about that, I was ecstatic. Our boy, um, our boy Jacob Lamonier, good friend of the pods, I asked him, I said, what's up with the Red Dot Club? And he said, well, this is what's going on. And so uh, very excited about that. I think that's going to be huge. I wish we had that when I was a student, where we could have had something like that, because I went to every game. So Looking forward to it. So the students, if you're listening, sign up for it. You get, I'm sure you get, I don't know if you, you probably get some cool perks with it too. Uh, you probably get a newsletter. You probably get some cool stuff, some cool souvenirs. Check it out. Check it out. I'm sure. But, I, don't, I don't even know if it costs anything, to be honest with you. But Jerry, what I wanted to point out is this is a perfect bridging of like the old guard and the new students. Absolutely. Like, and we talk about that. We have an older fan base, but this is kind of that bridge toward tipping your cap to the old fan base, but also moving forward and, and getting new fans. I love it. And I wish we do more of it. It's time to bridge the gap. 
it's time. Look, we talk about our fan base, a lot of older fans who have put many, many decades in supporting this program. It's time to pass the torch to the younger generation. And that includes the students, the students, the young alumni. It's their turn to step up and, sh and start showing support. And that goes for the administration. It's time to reach out to this, to this uh, younger generation because they're the future of this fan base. And so I think to your point, this is definitely a start. And, um, you know, look, what, what drives alumni back to games is their memories of when they were in college. You know, the experience when they used to go to the games. If you have a bad experience, you're not going to go back because you don't want to relive it, right? So if you create a good environment at this these basketball games with a cool student section, and, you know, I remember last year after every win, you know, we went undefeated in the Cajun Dome in men's basketball. The basketball team would go to the student section and start jumping up and down and hooting and hollering, and it turned into a great atmosphere. And students wanted to go back. So you start something like that. Students have great memories of those moments. And so that's what drives them back and eventually starts donating RCAF and going to the games. And that's how it begins. You bring back those memories. So anyways, um, that was Swamp Slam. I hope they do this every year. I heard it looked like a good turnout, looked like a great, great event. And so what does that do? Well, that kicks off the men's and women's basketball season. Let's talk a little bit about that. Women's basketball season opener will be on November 6th, which is a Monday. They'll take on Spring Hill. Tip-off is at 5 o'clock in the Cajun Dome. And FYI for women's basketball games, admission, no cost. It's free. No fees, no taxes, nothing. So just show up. Gary, Coach Gary Broadhead and the and the ladies will be ready to go. They were picked sixth in the Sunbelt Conference uh, preseason polls. So uh, that team has a lot to prove. And I know Coach Broadhead and his uh, his team will, will be ready to go. They always, they always battle. So... Looking forward to that. And the men's basketball team will actually have a preseason game or an exhibition game this coming Monday, October 30th, against UT Tyler. Tip-off will be at 7 p.m. in the Cajun Dome. It's a good way to kick off or kind of get their feet wet and kick off the season. But the official season opener will be the same night as the women's season opener on November 6th, which is a Monday, at the Cajun Dome against Youngstown State. The game will tip off at 7.30, of course, so it looks like it's going to be a doubleheader. So, again, the women's basketball team will take on Spring Hill at 5, and the Cajuns men's basketball team will take on Youngstown State at 7.30 in the Cajun Dome, both on Monday, November 6th. So basketball season's here. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about basketball as time goes on. Usually early on in the season, they tend to play their non-conference, and some of which are you know, not really like, for example, you know, I hope the, the, the women's team could beat spring Hill. Right. Um, but we'll see, you never know. I mean, there's a lot of upsets around the country to like D three teams. And you look at, it's like these big name teams lose to like D three teams. And you're like, how did that happen? So let's just hope we're not one of them. <laughs> you sounded so unconvinced. We could bring, we could beat spring Hill by that comment, but I, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm hoping we can, uh, we can pull out that dub. I think we lost to like Dillard or Centenary a few years ago. I think it was women. The women's team did. So I, I don't want to. I'm not going to predict anything. Don't jinx yet. it, okay? <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking on wood right now. No, Coach Gary and and Coach Bob Marlin, they'll have their teams ready. So looking forward to that. So that's basketball. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Cajuns women's soccer. Um, the Cajuns, they actually had a game tonight. I have to do a little bit of research. I know they played. I believe they took on Marshall for senior night, if I'm not mistaken. And let's see real quickly, because it wasn't real time. They had their senior night tonight. 
And guess what? The Cajuns pulled off the W. Good win on senior night against the thundering herd of Marshall. So the Cajuns record now sits at seven and eight and two overall, four and six in conference play. Last Thursday, they took on Arkansas State at home and they beat the Red Wolves by the score of three to one before traveling to Troy on Sunday and losing by a score of one nil. But like I said, tonight they defeated Marshall by the score of one nil. And I believe that will do it for the regular season for women's soccer. They'll actually travel to Foley, Alabama, starting on Monday for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So good luck to Coach Chris McBride and the girls. Go out there and win us a championship in, in Foley. Look, and, and another thing, speaking of Foley, if you're looking to go to the South Alabama game this weekend and you have to convince, you know, the better half of, of the benefits of, of going to Mobile, Foley, Alabama is a quick drive. There was a huge outlet mall out there. I know every time we go to Mobile, I sometimes I'd bring my parents. My mom, the first thing she did while we went and watched the game was go to Foley. So just that's a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of firepower you have uh, to hold there if uh, if if you're trying to convince the uh, the better half that you want to go. Oh, that out! You talking about that outlet mall on yeah, I ten? That, that outlet, like, yeah. That's gigantic or ginormous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know exactly. It, it's it's always so. Whenever I go to Florida or like driving to Destin, that's always kind of like the mark of I know. Okay, I'm within like an hour and twenty minutes outside of Destin right now. So like that's kind of like a landmark that, that I that I put in my head of okay, here's here's <laughs> where you know I'm, I start to predict the time of when we're going to get there, estimated time of arrival. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on to Cajuns volleyball. So the Cajuns will play their senior weekend this weekend uh, against ULM. Uh, the Cajuns, Coach Christy Gray and her volleyball team, they're now 13-11-11 overall, 4-6 and six in conference play. Last week, they traveled to Norfolk, Virginia to take on the Monarchs of ODU, and they actually split the, they split the weekend. They lost the first uh, match by the score of three sets to one last Thursday, but Friday they redeemed themselves with a win by the score of three sets to one. Again, they'll take on ULM this weekend for um, senior weekend. They will play on Friday at 6 p.m. and then on Saturday at 1 p.m. at Earl K. Long. Admission is free and you can watch both matches on ESPN+. Moving on, Cajuns golf. Cajuns are in Hawaii right now, like you had mentioned. They are at the Ka'an, Ka'anapali Classic Collegiate Invitational. They had uh, a match today, Friday and Saturday. And I believe today their match was at 1.30. I looked at their standings. Right now they currently are tied in 10th place. I believe there's one, two, three, four. There's probably, yeah, there's 20 teams. There's 20 teams in this tournament, which include teams like Clemson, Colorado, Gonzaga, UConn, Boise State, North Florida, Hawaii, Oklahoma, Georgia, Liberty, Air Force. Those are a few teams. And right now, again, the Cajuns are in a tide at 10th place. They will play again tomorrow. Tea time is at 1.30. So good luck to the Cajuns golf team. This is actually the last tournament before returning for the spring season in February. All right. So we got a reminder from our good friend, Josh, that 
our nationally ranked water ski team. They are in the 2023 syndicate NCWSA national water ski championship. It'll be from, I think today, tomorrow and Saturday at the tri lakes in Louisiana. Best of luck to the water ski team. And, uh, I don't know. This is this for the national title? I'm not sure. I don't know. That's the first <laughs> I hear of it. <laughs> yeah. If it is, hey, bring us another one. I believe we have what nine national titles right now. I think we need, you know, it doesn't hurt to get that 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 uh that hurt to get that tenth. So best of luck to the water ski team. And um, yeah, bring us home another a title. So that is around Reinhard Drive, what's going on outside of football. Lots going on right now, Nick. Lots going on. And, of course, I believe the Cajun softball team had a fall fall ball game against Southeastern the other night. They were victorious. I forgot the score. I think it was like 5-3 to three or 6-3. to three. And uh, the baseball team will have some inter-squad scrimmages uh, coming up this week. Uh, and then they, I believe they have a scrimmage. They have a scrimmage against Nichols. Nichols and LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Nichols, they'll play Nichols first, I believe, at the Teague on November 5th. First pitch is at one o'clock. I'm actually going to try to make that game. Uh, it's always fun to get a little bit of Cajuns baseball in the fall mixed with football. That's always kind of a cool mix up, if you ask me. I'm glad that the Diamond Sports are allowed to scrimmage in the fall. It makes it more fun, you know, and you kind of get to see what you have because coming off big years or big seasons like we had for both sports. You're curious. I mean, like, right for for baseball, we lost a lot of hitters, right? Well, this will be a good opportunity, and you know, Coach Dex is going to reload with hitters. Uh, what we have in the fall, uh, going into going into the winter break and springtime, because I mean, first pitch. I mean, you know, we are almost in the month of November, but we're three months away from uh, from another from another fun season at the Teague and another fun season at Lampson Park. Yeah, and it, it, it shows up quick too. Interestingly enough, um, you know, Deggs does a lot of recruiting. He's got three guys, one who lived in my neighborhood here in Texas, but he's got three guys in my general vicinity. There's a Lucas kid that is, I met his dad at the Rice Series last year. This Lucas kid, he can hit the damn ball and he committed to us and he was out at uh, homecoming this past weekend. So it's not going to be this year, but, but you know, uh, next year he's going to be in the mix. I'm telling you, I watched this kid's highlights on Twitter and uh, he's going to be a good one. So Deggs is definitely reloading and has some firepower coming in in the next couple of years. Good. It's exciting because he's brought an exciting brand of baseball. Uh, the team can hit. Uh, they're fun to watch. Uh, watching watching their base running is very energetic. I mean, every coach that we have faced always compliments how we are offensively. So get a few pitchers in there, mix it in there. The team's going to be dangerous. Very. And dangerous. you know what like, else I'm I'm noticing. He's got a lot of two sport players that are that are committing on the baseball team. Um, so that that's interesting. I, I know Robe had a couple in his day, but there are a lot of of two sport players that are committing to baseball. So uh, especially here in Texas, I mean, football is a big deal out here in Texas. So uh, good to see good to see some two sport athletes uh, commit to uh, to the Cajuns baseball team. No doubt about it, man. And just for a little bit of clarity uh, for the water ski uh, tournament, it's a national national coll or collegiate nationals. It'll be from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at Bennett's Water Ski School in Zachary, Louisiana. So if you're out in Zachary or in the Baton Rouge area, I don't know why you'd be out there, but anyway, in Baton Rouge. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know there's some Cajun fans. They do have Cajun fans that live out there. I know a few. I lived bored, there for eight years. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but 
if you're bored and you got nothing else to do or you want to go see us win a natty, hey, go check out the water ski uh water ski tournament because you know we're gonna be competing for uh for some for some bragging rights there. So uh again, best of luck to the water ski team. I did also want to mention, I know I talked about women's basketball being uh preseason picked sixth in the conference. The men's basketball team looks like the guys are feel, feeling a little bit of disrespect. They're picked fifth in the Sun Belt preseason. So Coach Good. Marlin, his 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 team, the players have a lot. They're going to want to prove some people wrong. So uh, should be a lot of fun for both teams on the court. And last but not least, before I forget, Nick, Cajuns, Jaguars, Saturday, 4 p.m. Give me your prediction, man. What do you oh, think? Oh, man. I don't know. I hate, I hate doing these because I'm always wrong. Um, I'm just going to throw out some numbers because I don't even know if this makes sense or not. I'd have to, I mean, it may involve a safety or some crazy stuff. So again, I, it's, it's just numbers I'm throwing out. Cajuns 35, South Alabama 33. So a win. You predict a win. Yes, I do predict a win. Well, my, my heart tells me we're going to win. Well, a close one in a shootout. What does your head tell you? I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to say it. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to give a prediction, but I'm going to give a, a prediction part A and part B. And, and you're going to understand why, what I'm about to say. The last two weeks have shown me that even in spite of playing one half of football, that we're still in the game. And when you play two halves of football, I feel like our team is very dangerous. It could be just about anybody. Um, but unfortunately, these last two weeks, we have not seen that. But I feel that this could be a weekend, even though South Alabama is – they're on fire right now, but I, I just don't see them. They're not going to score. I, I don't see them scoring 31 points on us in the, in the first half. I think our defenses are a little bit better than ULM and, and, um, and Southern Miss. So I don't see that happening. And I also think our offense is more explosive than those other two teams. So I think we're going to score some points in the first half. I think if we are, if we are tied in the first half leading or tied or even trailing by like less than a touchdown, I think we win this game. That's just me. That's based on how we play in the second half, right? My prediction is this. If we play like we have the last two weeks and we don't show up in the first half, South Alabama comes out firing because we make mistakes and do stupid stuff. I think I see South Alabama. If we play one half of football, this is my part A. If we play only one half of football and don't show up in the first half, South Alabama is going to beat us 34-21. But if we play two halves of football and do those three keys to the game that I mentioned, score early, dominate the line of scrimmage, avoid giving up big plays, make them earn everything on us. I think the Cajuns come out victorious, 31-24. So one half of football, we only show up one half, 34-21 Cajuns loss. If we play a full game, I think the Cajuns win 31-24. We'll see what happens come four o'clock on Saturday, but it, it, to me, it's going to be a war. I, I think it's going to be a war. Yeah, and I mean, it always is. And whatever we play South Alabama in, it's always a war. So um, I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully not too frustrating. And um, this time, look, last last weekend, I will I will spill the beans. The reason, part of the reason that we couldn't record was because I was in uh, Austin for Formula One. It was kind of like one of those once in a lifetime deals Bucket where list. I got to attend. Yeah, so, uh, so and it was qualifying, which was kind of cool. Uh, but no, no Formula One this weekend. I'll be here, and we'll do a, a hopefully a happy post game. 
happy post game. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, whenever Z, like whenever Zeon threw the pick and, you know, we were all distraught and the game was over and they kneel it. I, the, the first thing I said was, man, I got to go do a post game after this now. Like, what am I going to say? <laughs> what am I going to say? I, I mean, the, even, and, even Terry, t- he was like, yeah, he didn't even come on. on. No, they were, the, he and Jimmy were like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> he, he didn't even come on, nor, neither did Jimmy. So, so next, no, I, Next time they come on this weekend, uh, if they do, they're not. No, they're not going to bail out two weeks in a row. You hear that, Jimmy? You hear that, Terry? No, you will not bail out on us two weeks in a row. We're going to find you. And I'm. And gonna, by the way, we need a drunk Kyle. You I don't know where Kyle's been, but we need Kyle on here. We need Kyle giving us his take because that's all. Regardless if we win or lose, that's always entertaining. So Kyle, wake <laughs> up, man. Everybody. Everybody, please chime in uh, in the post game. And and yes, we will be here for a post game. Uh, on Saturday night following the Cajuns Jaguars uh, matchup should be a good game. Should be a lot of fun um, for those of you going safe travels. Have a good time. Bring us home a W for those not going. Uh, there are many bars and restaurants you can go or just look, this going to be nice weather this weekend. Fire up the grill, fire up the, the stove, do whatever, cook some good food and turn that TV on on your patio and watch the Cajuns battle it out. So um, again, Louisiana Raging Cajuns take on the South Alabama Jaguars this weekend at Hancock Whitney Bank Stadium. Kickoff is at four o'clock. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus, or you can listen to the game on uh, Hot 107.9 or 103.3 The Goat. And I think you can still listen to it on ESPN for or ESPN. What am I saying? 14:20 a.m. I know it's it's a habit, Nick. I'm sorry. I know. So I know. Long. But uh, so you have options to listen. You have options to watch. There should be no excuse to watch the Cajuns try to get that big W on the road. It'll be a big game and uh, should be a lot of fun. So if you like what you heard, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, or listen to us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, as well as Twitch. And yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, or you can listen to us on Apple iTunes or Spotify. So please, all of those, all of those outlets, like, subscribe, talk about how great we are, spread the word. We're here for the fans. We're all about you guys, Cajun Nation. We want to thank you guys for those listening tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Again, we'll be back to talk about the hopefully the Cajuns' big W on the road against South Alabama on Saturday. And uh, Nick said he will be here. Terry, Jimmy, if you're listening, we expect you to call in. Don't. I, I know you're upset. We're all upset. We all got to face the music, right? But hopefully it's music like this that we're facing this Saturday after a W. So that's going to do it for tonight. For, for Nick, I'm Jerry. And as always, go Cajuns. And in the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, Bye, we out of here. See you Saturday night. Bye.